Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family and do our best to answer them from a biblical from a biblical worldview. Um, all of us get to serve right here uh, with the Lord's Church uh, locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Doug Melton is our lead pastor. Randy Whittall is pastor of missions and evangelism. My name is Daniel Snow, and I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. Um, please, please keep sending questions in and uh, three easy ways to do that are you can email three questions podcast at my shbc.com with the number three in in the beginning of that you can go to the website my shbc.com slash contact or you can text 505-258-2076 and we will always keep your questions anonymous and i w- i just want to say it's been really cool lately to see within our church family the opportunity to do several ordination services kind of in kind of rapid succession lately uh, with Tommy Merritt and Jacob Stewart and then last night Pablo Villa. And, um, and I, what's really cool to me, uh, like with last night when we got to do with Pablo and, and with the Spanish-speaking congregation and the English-speaking congregation together, is to watch Randy switch gears in rapid motion <laughs> or, or from one language gears. to another. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. You know, it's kind of like, you know, putting a car in reverse forward, for, reverse forward, and just seeing if the transmission will finally That's right, yeah. just fall out. Well, last night there were plenty of, there was plenty of grinding of gears as I was trying to find the right one at the right time. Man, I think it's awesome. And uh, that's a really cool talent that God has given you uh, to be able to do that. And okay, let me ask you this, Randy. Do okay. do you ever have dreams in Spanish or any of the other languages you know? Yes. Yeah. I'll 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 dream in Spanish. I, I've never dreamed in Hebrew, but uh, I will dream in Spanish somewhere. I used to. Yeah. Uh, it's like a lot of other things, though. The longer you go, it's it's really like any discipline, even spiritual disciplines. The longer you go without using it. Yeah. On a regular basis, the the more of it you lose, yeah. and uh, and I've really noticed since Suso Pastor Suso left for Puerto Rico, I don't have the opportunity to speak Spanish as much as I did, and I boy last night I was really I was really feeling it. I'd say nice job. <laughs> well, thank you. Absolutely, <laughs> it, it it made all the difference in the world. For, for Pablo, especially to be able to have the freedom mm-hmm. to whether he wanted to speak in English or Spanish and to know that you were, yeah, to, yeah. that's I noticed, exactly right. He would, there were, there were different times when Randy was either translating into Spanish or translating into English. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Pablo was doing the same. You notice he kept yeah, kind of, absolutely. There were some questions, some <laughs> of the things he just felt more comfortable switching into Spanish yeah. uh, on, you know, and that's kind of, you know, growing up overseas, we noticed that with our kids. You know, our kids would dream in Spanish when they'd talk in their sleep. They would be speaking Spanish, mm. and and you could tell there were just even now there are a lot of Bible verses that I memorized in Spanish that I never memorized in English. And sometimes when I'm teaching or preaching, I'll get to those verses and realize I don't know this verse in English. You yeah. know, I've got to translate yeah. it from Spanish because I never memorized it in in English. So. And how cool is it that? The one true and living God never struggles with any of the languages cool? of the world. Yeah. 
Um, I think that's super cool. That is. And um, yet he gifted us with, I mean, he gave us all the, all these different languages. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, first question for today is, does God love Satan? And this was, uh, I think she just let me know this. The The person who sent this in let me know that it was a mom submitting it uh, from her four-year-old. And I think it's just a good reminder that sometimes great, I mean, not sometimes, a lot of the time, really awesome questions come from kids. Absolutely. Yeah. They have such a clarity mm-hmm. about about certain things and, and such an in, in-depth, yeah, inquisitiveness. I, I love that. I, my, my thought, guys, would be that um, when Jesus died on the cross, which is the ultimate expression of love, he, he died for the sins of, of you and me. Uh, angels don't fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Angels uh, are not able to be saved. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, in Luke 15, uh, there is rejoicing in heaven in the presence of angels. They, I'm not even for sure they can rejoice over salvation. It says it's, they rejoice in the presence. Yeah. Of yeah. angels and and uh, and so, but angels can't be saved, mm-hmm. and so Satan is an angel who fell. He cannot be redeemed. There is no hope for Satan. His doom is sure. And so, my I think my thought would be certainly the sacrificial atoning love of Jesus Christ of God for His people is not seen in His in how He would view Satan. I agree. Yeah. I mean, even Hebrews uh, says that angels were created as ministering spirits to serve those who will inherit mm-hmm. salvation. So they were even created for a very different purpose uh, than what God created uh, human beings for. And and I got to tell you, this is a really sharp four-year-old. I mean, when I was four, the only question I was asking was, <laughs> how do I get this M&M out of my nose? You know, And uh, so this is a sharp kid. But I can also understand, maybe I'm reading a little much between the lines, but I want that mom to let her son or daughter, whoever the four-year-old was, to ask the question, know that, yes, Satan and and the demons that fell with him, they they disobeyed the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, what we call, sinned. Mm-hmm. They they rebelled against God. And as, and as Pastor Doug said, because of their order and creation, they're they're not part of that redemptive plan. But he is, or this child is. Yeah. This child never needs to question, well, I've done wrong. Does that mean God doesn't love me? And no, that is absolutely not right. God loves you with such a huge love that he went to an incredible extreme Extravagant. uh, Exactly. And and unbelievably extravagant means to to try to to, to save us, to Mm -hmm. forgive us and cleanse us and make us righteous in in his eyes. And so while angels that have fallen angels never have that option, we as people, as, as the very good part of God's creation, we always do. And and you've never You've never fallen so far or messed up so badly that God stops loving mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah, so. and and as just kind of a, a side note, with all that 
that you just said, it's just a good reminder that, you know, sometimes very well-meaning people, sometimes very well-meaning Christians say things uh, at the time of someone's death, like, you know, well, God got another angel in heaven or something Mm -hmm. like that, as if this human now has become an angel through death. And that is nowhere in scripture. And, and that would actually be a downgrade. If it's the word I would use as far as the way God has created, created order. Um, because the crown of his creation, not because we are so good, but because he made us this way is we're in the image of God and we are in that place alone. And so, so when someone does go on to be with the Lord in heaven because of their faith in Christ, they don't become an angel. They become, they, they continue to be a human, um, experiencing heaven temporarily disembodied, mm-hmm. uh, but eternally they will have a resurrection body. Yeah. I mean, originally restored to the state that God intent originally created us yeah. to enjoy in his presence. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. Now, next question is how can I see Jesus in the Old Testament. Was this the same four-year-old? This is a sharp kid. <laughs> different. Okay, different, okay. But good question. You know, we've been in the Gospel of John, and it opens with, in the beginning was the Word, and the That's Word right. was with God, and the Word was God. So I would say from the very first five words of the Bible, we, we see Jesus Christ in the beginning. God created. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So I would start there. Oh, I I completely agree. I mean, we, you know, in our minds, grasping the concept of the Trinity is very difficult, but the Bible doesn't have any problem with it. It's one long confluence from Old Testament to New Testament. It's Mm -hmm. one redemption story. And I think that's what, uh, especially the Gospel of John, what God was trying to convey through John is, that he is, he is, you know, wherever we see God, we see Jesus, we see the Spirit because they're they're one. But we also know that Jesus, part of that redemptive plan was that Jesus would, as Philippians says, you know, uh, empty himself of his glory, mm-hmm. not thinking of it as something to be held on to, and take on the form of a man. That that was part of the plan, and that particular that historical incarnation that Emmanuel moment that Isaiah prophesied of, you know, of God with us Mm -hmm. is part of that redemptive plan. And so, and throughout scripture, my goodness, there are literally hundreds of messianic prophecies, some very specific. I mean, the Isaiah 53 passage, you know, that Mm -hmm. just right here, you know, he, he bore our griefs and our sorrows and by his stripes, we are healed. I mean, Mm -hmm. the, I mean, you almost cannot read that without seeing Jesus, right. um, you know, the other covenants, the covenant, you know, the, the covenant with, uh, with Noah, the covenant with Abraham and later with David. And then Jeremiah uh, in chapter 31 prophesying about a new covenant that would not, and rather than being written on stones would be written in each man's heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many places that we, we, don't don't just see the idea of a Messiah, but we actually see Jesus, the Messiah, in there. Yeah, well, and even before you get out of Genesis chapter one, God creates man, Adam. Jesus would be the last Adam. That's right. mm-hmm. So sin, death came through the first Adam. Life comes through the last Adam. So we would see even in Adam, in yeah, the, yeah, 
Yeah, and with Adam, you see him being totally passive in that moment. Um, and so sin enters the world and all of its destruction. And like you said, Doug, the second Adam, Jesus, is is not passive. He He has initiative, and he takes initiative at his own expense for our good. I mean, he is the perfect Adam. Um, the first one dropped the ball. That's right. Um, <laughs> and thankfully... God, God could have just said, okay, that's the end of the story. Everyone will face my judgment from here on out. Uh, but he didn't. And just like you guys said, there's all these ways, and I'll just add a couple more to it. Like with the, we see in the Old Testament with all these shadows uh, that point to the substance. Just like when you're outside and you see a shadow, you know that it's it's there because there's there's some substance. Something's casting a shadow. Exactly. Yeah. And and we see that even pointed to in Colossians, which is pointing back at the Old Testament. We see it again in Hebrews, but I'll read the Colossians passage. It says, Colossians two sixteen and 17, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So we're talking about all of these Mosaic law uh, and, and festival traditions of the Old Testament. And, and it says, verse 17, these, those things, those, those parts of the Mosaic law are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And so he is the one casting these shadows in the Old Testament. And, and shadows are things like all these parts of the Mosaic law or what some people call types of Christ. They're, they're little pictures of Christ um, in some of the narrative stories of the Old Testament, we keep finding these unexpected heroes or unexpected instances of forgiveness or unexpected sacrifices, and they keep pointing to the ultimate hero of history, Jesus, who was an unexpected hero. He did provide unexpected forgiveness, and it was an extravagantly unexpected sacrifice, and, and these things keep pointing us at him. That's good. Yeah. Um, okay, then third question for today is, how can God use me if I have an introverted personality? Or in what ways could he use me? First of all, I, guys, one of the first things that comes to my mind is just yesterday morning we were in John chapter 11, and in John chapter 11, we, we see the raising of Lazarus. And that's not the only time that Lazarus is mentioned. Lazarus is then mentioned in, in John 12. And yet, every mention of Lazarus, he never says a word. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's, he's the silent type. He's yeah. the silent type. <laughs> that's good. Mary and Martha do all the talking in all the stories. Lazarus never says a word. And yet, we know that the Scripture says and yet he was a great witness. Many were coming to believe mm-hmm. because of Lazarus. And he was a close personal friend of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I've, I've come to learn that I think Lazarus was an introverted person. That's that a really interesting God observation. Used in a great, yeah. <laughs> that's that's good. really good. That is really good. You know, and, and to me, sometimes I think uh, being an introvert doesn't mean that you're mute. Mm-hmm. It just means... Usually you don't enjoy crowds. Yeah. Um, now, we can't use personality or introvert, whether it's extrovert or introvert, 
as an excuse for not being a verbal, vocal witness of the gospel to our friends. But it just means you may be a lot better at doing it one-on-one than like Pastor Doug is, sharing it to thousands of people right. uh, at a time. But the the real neat part of that is even when Pastor Doug is preaching to thousands, mm-hmm. each individual is hearing it for themselves. I mean, a crowd doesn't get saved. Only individuals get saved. And so the gospel is always a one-to-one sharing of uh, of the good news. And so to me, if, if, if I'm a big introvert, that's good news to me. Yeah. You know, uh, God doesn't always call people, everybody to be that huge evangelist, but even the evangelist that speaks to big crowds is still sharing a message to each individual out there. Yeah. And, and clearly God is into variety uh, because there's so many parts of his creation that just, he could have made it all the same, but he chose to make things very different. And, and personality is one. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, he gave you the personality he wanted you to have, just like he gave you the color of eyes and hair and skin that he wanted you to have. And, and apparently it gives him glory to, to show his creativity in those ways. Um, know that he, if you have an introverted, introverted, introverted personality, he will use you powerfully if you're available to him. And just like Randy said, it's not an excuse not to be, to do evangelism. And it's also not an excuse to isolate from the local church. Um, even in that we are called to be together. Um, but a per, someone with an introverted, introverted personality may do it a little differently. Um, and so that's, that's okay. You don't, the Lord doesn't intend you to channel someone else's personality so he can use you. Um, he, someone who has that personality can have, can contribute with deep levels of thought and insight and counsel based on biblical wisdom because they've, they've spent some time being quiet and thinking and maybe reading and, and praying and they've got some of those things to offer. Um, they can have meaningful personal relationships and conversations at, at a deep level, kind of capitalizing on the less is more principle that, you know, this person may not know 150 people, but they may know 10 to 15 really well and, and be able to minister to them in credible ways, both Christian and non-Christian. Jeremy? And I also think when you talk to like an introverted person, kind of like myself sometimes is don't make them feel guilty for being that way. And a lot of times our response to people is we want them to, to be exactly how we are. Yeah. And it makes that person feel even worse. They, an introvert knows that they're an introvert and they struggle with that because it's not always the norm that at least they see portrayed, but there's wisdom in that person, like you said, and and there is uh, opportunities for us uh, even if you are an extrovert, to learn some wisdom from an introvert as well, to be able to see that person isn't always quick to speak. They're they're usually listening. And then when there is an opportunity to speak, they'll speak, and then they kind of go back into that way. And so, uh, you know, as as an as extroverts and things like that, as, as you speak to someone that you know 
is in that encourage. There needs to be yeah. a, some encouragement that goes along with that. Yeah, that's really good. And appreciation even on both sides that, hey, if I'm the introvert and you're extroverted, like I don't have to just think, man, why are you like that? I can be like, I'm glad you're like that because God's using you in some ways that are different than the way he's going to use me. Yeah, and, and guys, we always picture Peter as being a, the extrovert. Yeah. Well, I can assure you then, if Peter was truly an extrovert, there were introverts among the disciples Yeah, because they were such a different group. There was such variety and diversity among them. Um, uh, Thomas may have been an, an introvert. We don't hear him talk very often, but some we don't hear talk at all. But then yeah. when he does... He has something very intentional to say. That's right. John Mark could have been Barnabas, could have been, you know, there's there are so many personalities that we see that quite possibly would have had an introverted personality. It's basically the, the makeup of any boy band. <laughs> <laughs> just just throwing that out there. It's worked. We it can works. Only, I can only have one lead singer, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you got to have the quiet, shy one out there. Somebody so, needs yeah. to play background. That's right. Um, but, but interestingly enough, as Doug said, with all that variety, and yet Jesus sent them all out with the mm-hmm. same marching orders. You know, so they all took their unique personalities, their 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 giftedness, and were able to use it all towards the same purpose of fulfilling. That, that commission that, that the Lord gave them. Yeah. And I'll just throw out just a couple of um, kind of ground level ways to that the Lord may use uh, an introvert, an introvert, and that would be um, to connect with other introverts in the world, uh, whether Christian or non-Christian. Usually some of the best people to reach to other introverted people are introverted themselves. And, and that's a good thing. Um, another way is within the church body is things, and these are just ideas, but things like research, study, writing, coming up with ministry ideas, prayer, hosting things where maybe this person isn't having to be out in front leading the whole thing, but is creating a really hospitable environment where people can connect with one another and hear what's happening and participate and that's a big deal. That's a big ministry. And so so thanks be to God that he is really into variety and he he likes to use all of us in our different ways. So pretty cool. Very yeah, I agree. Pretty cool. Okay. Um thank you guys for listening out there and uh and to tuning into this podcast and catching it um on your phone or wherever you do. And if it's helpful, just know you can subscribe or you can share. And, uh, and we just we want it to be as helpful as pop- possible to as many as possible. Thanks a bunch to Jeremy Johnson for making all the logistics happen. And remember that the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions. Mm-hmm.